You hear them? You guys got to do better than that. What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. There you go. 7 o'clock. So welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Um, we open every meeting of Position of Neutrality with a prayer, and the Chaplain Lee is here to do that for us. Come on and stand to your feet. Welcome, 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 welcome. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for each and every one that is present. We thank you for those that are on their way. We give you the praise, glory, and honor for who you are and what you do. We know, Lord, without you, we are nothing. So we invite you into this meeting tonight just to have your way. Touch the hearts, open up the ears of those that are here to hear. We invite you to just have your way in our lives and to govern us and to lead us and to show us the way to go through your manservant tonight as he speaks to you, as he speaks to these, your people. Allow him to open up his mouth and speak with a clarity that they will hear the things that the Spirit comes to say to each and every one of us. We know it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your Spirit. So we thank you. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor for who you are, and we thank you. Have your way tonight as you move through this meeting, and we feel your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the glory and honor, and everyone say amen. amen. Very good. Thank you, chap. So anyone here for the first time tonight? Oh, first of all, welcome, and second, let us warn you. Thank you. We'll warn you in advance, you may perceive us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. Primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for a lot of years, we take a look at the suggestions for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery, why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? So all the other 12-step fellowships you may align with are all based on this experience. So what we're trying to do is help people find their experience in the book, if that makes any sense. So I'm not going to tell you what the book says, because what it says to you is none of my business, but I am going to show you what it says to me and how I find it and encourage you to have your experience with it. Fair enough? And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness folks that happen? So by a show of hands, they're, they're signifying in 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a sensory experience, something tangible. You'll feel it. And when you do, I'll know. And I'll call it to your attention because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Guys are a little delayed, but good. So the other thing we like to do is we know some people come to recovery with prejudice sometimes. And, and so when we talk to you of God, what we're speaking is that tangible presence, that sensory experience of power from within. Does that make sense? So we're leveling the playing field. So regardless of what prejudice you come here with, we're going to help you understand what the suggested manner of living looks like and then once you realize what the experience is that we're seeking to improve consciousness of, it'll all make sense, yep? And we're seeking to improve consciousness, the awareness of being aware of that power in and on my life. Yep? And that's tonight's lesson, interestingly enough. 
the last time we did this, Wayne came up and did it. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. And that means that's, that was uh, the end of October when our problems with access just started and we told you it was just temporary and you heard a lot of rumors to the contrary and yet we're still here planning our baptism in February. <laughs> Some of you probably want to know where's Sean and Paul and Carolyn because if you're regulars even online you're you know everyone knows Sean now for 15 years or more but uh, they have COVID so they stayed home they're joining us online but Sean we miss you everybody give them a He did call and say, make sure someone starts the meeting on time. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at uh, starting on page 83, and we're going to start with many of you, if you've been in, especially AA halls, you may have seen things on the wall, say the promises, even some places say the 12 promises. What they really are is the ninth step promises, and they're states of being as your consciousness raises, as you become more aware of that spirit within you, that freedom from the bondage of self starts expressing itself in tangible ways, and those promises, those conditions, are what you'll experience, if that makes sense. Levels of consciousness. So we're going to start there and then get into that manner of living. Fair enough? So we're at the bottom of page 83. If we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of our development? Yeah, I mean, there's no wrong answer, but we've learned the practices of the steps. Self-inventory, you know, questioning my thoughts, taking captive my thoughts, submitting them to the spirit within, and then getting guidance on how to move forward. Yeah, that's what we've learned. And we've learned to go out and, and try and make amends or approaches for harms done through the eighth step and ninth step. Yes? Okay. So somewhere in there, this is our phase of development. We're going to start experiencing these sensory experiences of being free of ourselves, the bondage of self that we asked for in three, yes? Okay, so it says we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. <laughs> we got a hoot for new freedom, thank you. So what, what does new mean? Yeah, unlike anything I've ever experienced before. So this is when you start to think about what being free of the bondage of self may be. It's not free from chemicals, although that may be unfamiliar to many of us. It wasn't necessarily new, unless, of course, we were born into it, and that's a whole different experience, right? But what they are telling me is I'm starting to experiencing, experience freedom from those self-condemning, limiting thoughts that I once had. Any of you ever play a role in order to fit into where you thought you belonged or where you hoped to belong and it really wasn't you, and, but you didn't know how to not play it? How many of you got free of some of that as you started growing and realizing you didn't have to pretend to be something, you could just be something? Okay, so that's the new freedom, that's the new happiness that starts to come from not taking someone else's opinion of who I am. Does it make sense? In three, we learn that we're going to find out who we are and whose we are. And with those two pieces of information, then the whole world's mine. Not cocky, just, does it make sense? Okay. All right, so, so then it says, we'll not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. How many of you have started progressing through your steps and know why that happens? 
How many of you had a rather difficult start in life? Should see more hands in here. How many of you have started to find that some of those worst things of your life have been useful to empower others and encourage others and help them? Okay, so it's already happening for you, yes? How many of you felt that as I said that to you? Someone felt it because I felt you feeling it. That's that spirit of revelation that's happening in you. Does it make sense? That's the power we call God. We would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Okay, so then it says... We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Think about the words they use, comprehend and know. How many of you have lived in restlessness and irritability some percentage of your life? How many of you have been relieved from that some percentage of your life? As you, Okay, so now I'm comprehending serenity and I'm starting to know peace. Yes? It says, no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. We've already talked a little bit about that, haven't we? That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you have had the feeling of uselessness and self-pity disappear only to reemerge? How many of you have learned your practices and when it reemerges, you know it's a lie, you take captive that thought, submit it to the power within, and move forward in purpose? Have you learned that? So those are sensory. Who's feeling that? Come on, more of you are feeling it than are copping to it because we're, we're having a pretty powerful little revival in here. All right, so we'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Come on, guys, I see that here every day, and I know a lot of you. I watch you. You watch for the new guy to come in just to run up and tell him, look, I know exactly how you feel. It's going to get better. Walk with me. I'll show you. Let me know. Where's my people that do the same thing with the new guy in recovery? You start to know him even on the street, don't you? Okay. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. They didn't say you won't walk through some economic insecurity. They said the fear of it will leave. In our population where we've experienced homelessness or incarceration... You've already outgrown the fear of economic insecurity because you've given everything away at least once. Right? Am I kidding? Am I talking to the wrong fucking crowd? Okay, then it says, we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not. Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. How many of you have started to realize that? Even if you're not settled on who this power is or what this power is, you know the experience of this power and you know things are happening in and through you that weren't happening prior to. Okay, So those are the ninth step promises. So it's not being silly or legalistic. If someone just tells you that those are the promises and you've never learned any of the practices, therefore you've never got into the disciplines, they may not happen for you. Because they've already told us who have thoroughly followed our path. Right? Okay. So, then it says, are these extravagant promises? Well, this is a sleepy crowd. Was it a tough day? or is it? They are extravagant promises, aren't they? The authors are intentional. They want you to question. Man, that seems like a lot. How many of you have been prone when you wanted people to believe something to maybe enhance it a little bit? 
Any salesmen here that kind of maybe threw a few extras in? So knowing as a class we may, you know, enlarge the experience a little for whatever reason, they're saying, no, no, really, guys, this has really happened based on our experience. Does it make sense? So yes, it is pretty extravagant. Any of you, like me, knows where I came from and knows that where I'm standing today is absolutely extravagant. Okay. So we think not. They're being fulfilled among us sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. So promise and condition. All of those promises of the ninth step will always materialize if you work for them. The thing they don't tell you is they will vaporize when you don't. And you'll have those attack thoughts, which is why it's a manner of living, not a one and done. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it, the reason we went through all of that was to get to this one statement. This thought, these promises will always materialize if we work for them. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Says I'm going to continue to take personal inventory. When did I? Okay. And, and when did I learn to set right new wrong? When I was learning how to set right old wrongs. Yes? So what did it tell me to do? Continue to do that as I go along. Isn't that when you screw stuff up as you go along? Anybody else? Okay. So I'm going to clean up the old mess, and I'm going to clean up the new mess, and I'm going to hope to start really gathering it in and, and doing it on the fly more and more efficiently, yes? Become disciplined in the practices they've already shown me. So as we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So in case you think I'm making it up, they're telling you, vigorously commence this manner of living as we clean up the past. Don't, this isn't a one and done. Don't wait for something kind of completion. Start prosecuting your amends. Start getting into your daily self-inventory as you go along, get going, right? Okay. So it says, we have entered the world of the spirit. Notice how declarative that is. Doesn't say some of us have, we might have. This is their experience. We have entered the world of the spirit. So what is it like to have entered the world of the spirit? They're going to be sitting with some people who still don't know what we're talking about because they haven't fully embraced the sensory experience we're talking about, the power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. And so they need to understand that as you're experiencing these promises we just read of the ninth step, that's what it's like to enter the world of the Spirit, to start to believe that all things are possible through Him. And I'm talking about the spirit man within. I'm not talking to you about theology. Does that make sense? All right, so, so it says this is not a, our, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what, effectiveness at what? There's no wrong answer, but how many of you have grown to understand yourself a little better as you started to learn and question your thoughts and look at your experience and see the part you may have played? How many of you have grown in understanding your fellow man as you've either told dark secrets to someone they didn't judge you or you went out and used your past to help somebody else. How many of you have grown an understanding of this power we call God as you had a...
called to your attention what it was that was happening and what all these people are talking about, and it became personal to you because you felt the experience. So now we have started to grow, and it really wasn't even my understanding, was it? Notice how the, the authors say, as we understood him, but their understanding is always in italics because my understanding then is not what I understand now. Because when I asked for power and direction, the understanding came into me. Does it make sense? And as long as I continued to serve others, I grew. It was never mine to begin with. Any of you come to that conclusion? Okay. So we'll get into what we're effective at later. It's really a 12-step lesson, so we're not even going to try and talk about that now. So it says, this is not an overnight matter. How many of you are feeling like he's talking too fast and getting me to agree and that hadn't happened to me yet? It's not an overnight matter, but if you're walking in the spirit and you're making an effort to serve and you're doing the things that are shown to you, it's going to happen to you because they will always materialize if we work for them. Does that make sense? Okay. So this is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. And now they're going to give us some more instruction. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Everyone thinks it's a trick question. Usually Sean's here, and he screams out the fourth step. And I always argue with him. Because I always was good at spotting selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. I just thought it was you. I didn't know that I was looking through the lens of my thoughts. Any of you else have a similar revelation? So I've been really good at it, but now I have some additional practices so I'm not blinded by my thoughts about a given situation which renders me useless in the servant field. Does that make sense? Okay, so it says continue to watch. Oh, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. And you got to know it's power, guys, because it didn't say if these crop up, it said when. When I see selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, I've got to take captive that thought and submit it to the power within. There's another book that says, how can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. Not a theology, but it's very old wisdom. The plank in my eye is my perspective. And my, my perspective, if that's the only thing I'm going to argue for, blinds me of what's really happening. Does that make sense? And then it says, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So they just told you the principles we're going to practice in all our affairs right there. Not the long list that were written 15 years later. Right there. Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I, the reason I know that is the other book was written 15 years later. But the step was written 15 years before. So the principles had to have been here or they wouldn't have put them in. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it says love and tolerance of others is our code. Love what? Love the people, tolerate the symptoms of their malady. What are the symptoms of their malady? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Guilt, shame, and remorse. Same as mine. That's why I'm so good at spotting it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay, so we're going to learn to separate people from human behavior so that we can be better servants because I can't help anyone I'm judging. Does that make sense? 
Okay. So, it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. It's another set of promises. How many of you have gotten to the place where you're not fighting urges and not living in a delusion that's going to turn out okay? And Guys, it has to happen for the likes of me or you're, it's not going to go well. We've got to get free of that struggle. Does that make sense? And the power is not to not do because it takes no power to not do. It's the power of purpose to go out and serve, to be properly armed. And the benefit of that, a side benefit of that, is abstinence. Does that make sense? Okay, so for, by, by this time, sanity will have returned. And two, I was just hoping for that. Could, could happen. So what would the sanity be? If insanity, according to the authors, was an appalling lack of perspective, the inability to think clearly. How many of you have been thinking a little more logically? How many of you discovered your world got bigger? So you don't have an appalling lack of perspective anymore because it's not all about what I can gather unto me. I've got, I live for a purpose because there's somebody else that I need to serve. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So it says, we seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. Now think about those two conditions. If those two conditions are present, how likely is it that you can use? How many of you have put your hand on something hot? Did anyone have to warn you, be careful, it'll burn you? Or did you just move your hand? They're promising you that you will have a sane response. So it can't happen if your condition is fit, that can't happen. You're not likely to be tempted, but if you are tempted, you'll recoil. Yep. Guys, these aren't theories, they're facts from their experience and from mine. Does that make sense? So it says we react sanely and normally, and we'll find this has happened automatically. How many of you have been amazed at how you think and react today as opposed to maybe another time? Did you do anything to do that, or did it just happen for you? You gotta, I'm not giving you the answer. I'm just asking you to, people say we don't believe because it can't be proven, and I'm saying you're the walking demonstration of the power. So the only one that can prove it to you is you. I mean, you can see it in me, and I can declare it, but the same reason you didn't send me to the dope house to see if the stuff would get, get you high. Okay, I'll give you your 20. I'll go tell you how good it is. Come on. Okay. So it says, uh, this, our, we'll see our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. Why is that so important that we get into that level of consciousness? How many of you have had to go help your friend and you had to walk into the trap house or into a really seedy place in that dilapidated apartment or whatever and help clean that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm not going to be able to go in there if I'm subject to temptation, am I? All right, so we feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. You may recognize those words with the name of this meeting. And yes, it's, it's on purpose. It's intentional. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So what's the problem? Main problem centers in the mind. 
driven by fear. No, you, you the being, is, aren't the problem. It's just uh, you've, you've misassigned the role of who you are to your brain. See, you've got a brain, and either the brain will be in charge or you will. You'll either drive the brain or the brain will drive you. Any of you ever had a head talk to you that was less than friendly? <laughs> so as you're empowered in the spirit, then all these tools of the flesh will be yours to command. Does that make sense? And, and, and you'll know when you're not commanding them because you'll start believing the lies again about who you are and who you're not. Yeah? Okay. So then it says... It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. So we know it was always about a fear problem, right? Because they're talking about fight or flight, cocky or afraid. So we're clearly, we had this fear problem driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-pity, and self-whatever. We stepped on the toes of our fellows and they retaliated. Okay. All right. So this is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So how do you... Know if you're doing a self-check whether you're in fit spiritual condition. Yeah, what's going on in your thought life? What's going on in your being? Have you noticed that things that people tell you you should be angry about, you're just not angry? As you grow spiritually, because it's got nothing to do with me. Remember, I died. The only condition for being, what? They told me I'd be reborn. I lose my fear of today, tomorrow, the hereafter, I'm reborn. The only way that can happen is something died. Yeah? yeah? So what the hell does whatever's going on in this world, if I'm not there to serve it, what has it got to do with me? I'm talking about real experiences. Okay, so it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. They're telling us that for a reason. Why? Because it's easy. What, what are they talking about in the program of action it's boiled down to taking captive the thoughts submitting to the power within serving 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 get get my thoughts my judgmental thoughts out of the way gets to be pretty simple but it's all happening within me isn't it we're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol is a subtle foe We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. You guys understand the word reprieve? Yeah, it's a stay of execution, right? Guess who the executioner was? Me? If I don't take control of what's going on within me, right? Where did the authors tell you they found about themselves? Main problem centers in the mind. Where's the solution found? Deep down inside. So neither the problem or the solution are ever external. I've been looking in the wrong places all my life, and every time I get focused out there, I find myself restless, irritable, and discontent. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Which ones? So we may not know what the vision of God's will is, especially if we're having trouble with this idea, right? So they're going to tell you what they did. Fair enough? It says, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. The not mine's in parentheses, and I'm going to tell you why. 
the not mine goes away when you awaken because there really isn't God's will and my will. There's God's will and my opposition to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever's going on, that's, that's God's will. Now, in order to sit and serve, I may need further guidance. But how many of you had stuff happen to you that you really didn't want to happen to you, but nonetheless it happened to you, and now you're on the other side of it, and maybe you see... If I got caught up in the idea of I wasn't in God's will, well, a significant part of my life, that doesn't make any sense, because I was definitely protected. Does that make sense? Okay, so... And if you don't talk in King James language, don't trip. You don't have to. This book was written a long time ago. Papa, can you help a motherfucker out? Works. <laughs> um, whatever it is, man, God knows how you talk is all I'm trying to say. Okay, so these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it's the proper use of the will. So there's a proper use of the will, and that is to enact that guidance which I have received. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. Does that make sense? How many of you had to do something hard, and the whole world was telling you, you shouldn't be doing that? I'm not talking about the wrong thing. I'm talking about the right thing. You guys know a little bit about our history? Run to the city and tell them you're going to open a 400-bed reentry center for guys coming out of prison. Yeah, we're going to take 400 people, fresh out, pick them up in all the penitentiaries. We're going to plop them right in the middle of town. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Continues to go right. And not because of anything we did, but we still had to add that push. We had to stand in the face of opposition and enact the faith within us. Yes? And every one of you who's come here since, you had to do the same thing. Notice how no one did anything for you? They just showed you how to do it? Because that's, right. that's the manner of living. You're not here to feed you. We're here to teach you how to fish. All right, so then it says, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. That's a capital H. So they're speaking to us about the power, and they're suggesting to me I've got to get in the habit of asking for power and direction anytime I'm feeling lacking in power. Does that make sense? And it says, if, if you've carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. Notice how they're not mincing words. They really are talking about a sensory experience. They're still not talking theology. They're just telling you whatever your prejudice has been, have you felt anything in here tonight that happened within you? then you have carefully followed directions. You've begun to sense the flow of his spirit. It may be the spirit of inspiration in spiritus. It may be the spirit of revelation. It may be, oh, I've never heard it that way before, and it's clarity. But those are all things of the spirit. It's not possible for me to prep for how many of you come here every week. The spirit does that. And then has a message for every one of you with ears to hear. Does that make sense? To some extent, we've become God-conscious. I went to all that explanation because you need to understand when we say you're God-conscious, we're saying you're power-conscious. I'm feeling it. And you're going to learn as you walk in the world, in spite of all the deception out there, truth has a feel. So when someone presents you in the Spirit truth and you feel it, even if it's contrary to wisdom, 
you're going to know that you know that you know. Many of you survived based on that ability. Yes? So we have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. Why would they want to develop that sense now that I've explained to you what they're talking about? That's how we stay out of jams. That's how we move into power and purpose. That's why would I want to develop that? Because it's vital. That's life force. There's, that's reason to live and power to live. Any of you find out that there was a higher calling on your life and it required a huge price of you and yet that price has been paid and here you are and you're just in the beginning of this massive movement? I'm talking about the recovery movement, not just here, but, right? Okay, so, but we must go further, and that means more action. So they don't want us to stop, because our brains never stop. So step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So what they're talking about is the combination of, most of us have said the foxhole prayers, yes? You get me out of this. Just, just, whatever. But did you know that you're going to get power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction? Do you know you can walk through scary things unafraid? Do you know you can walk in declarative in situations that seem impossible and people will all think you're crazy till you get to the other side? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you live some very hard lives to learn how useful that experience is for the easing of suffering for others. Yes? So... The proper attitude is I honestly want to and I'm willing to make the effort. They told me that back in the first step instruction. I only want to tell you that is they tell us in here what the first step of recovery is. What's the first step of recovery? We, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. Can't do that based on a lie. No one can trick you into it. If you're going to find this power, the desire must come from within you. So we've got to lay out the case. These authors were really masterful at laying out a case. This guy, Bill Wilson, ran around the country and studied companies, and then he would go and he would analyze their values and things and get people to invest. He, he knew how to analyze a company. And so he was famous atheist agnostic type, and he had this profound experience. So he wrote down this book the same way he would write a, a portfolio, to somebody that he was hoping to raise money from, and it's, you know, it's more logical to believe than not to believe based on my experience, which is why we don't want to change this text even this many years in. We need to show people how to read it, not change it. Because I'll tell you a secret, no one can read this book if they're just handed it. Nobody can. Never have been able to. Someone has to show you how. It's written in first person and in third person, past tense, present tense. And if you don't know what they're talking about and you're on some other, I mean, you just don't know. Okay, so um, we're about to launch a product that's going to do just that, aren't we, Brian? Wayne? Yeah. Um, so 
It says it would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. So would you like some definite and valuable suggestions, not a bunch of opinions? This is what we did. Here's what we experienced as a result. Yeah? Does it make sense? So it says when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Yeah, how many of you have reviewed your day and you wouldn't define it as constructive from time to time? How many of you didn't even review your day, but reviewed someone else's day? <laughs> so we're learning some new disciplines and some new practices, yes? And then it says, the same questions, the same things they had me looking for all day, I'm doing this review in the evening, cleaning it up, yes? Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? And there's going to be an answer for that, yes? Do we owe an apology? How many of you have known that you probably had a part in something, maybe you reacted a little badly, someone else was acting badly, but you, then you reacted, made the situation worse, that ever happened to anyone besides me? So how many of you had to avoid them until you could face them? Wouldn't it be easier if you just faced them right then instead of, okay, so that's all they're saying. All of it should make logical sense. Um, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Guys, they want you to get in the practice of talking to the spirit within you. But when you can't get out of the spin, thought and emotion, thought and emotion, thought and emotion, then you're going to have to talk to somebody else and let them take, help you carry that burden, sort it out, find your part. Does it make sense? So they're very intentional at this point. You may have to talk to another person. That's why we suggest things like sponsorship, mentorship. But we're, not because any human power can relieve what's going on in you, the power in you is the power to philosophically comfort you. So it's got to happen within you. So we want to get you in the discipline. If you call us and we're in the manner of living, we're going to say, have you prayed yet? What did you get for an answer? Okay, and then, then let's pray together. And let's get, see what answers we get together. Let's deconstruct. Does it make sense? And there's, there's no harm in asking for help because everyone here has been stuck. Okay, so... Um, then it says, what did I do? Oh, were we kind and loving toward all? How many of you have found that you were acting kind and loving a high percentage of the time, but your thoughts weren't quite up to par? But you guys, was that an ouch? <laughs> See, thinking, Adam, is every bit as harmful to me as acting, Adam. It's just less harmful to them. There's less to mop up. Does it make sense? So I'd really not be thinking at them. I would like to be thinking of them. Think of their needs and work for them. Yeah? Okay. So what could we have done better? Notice how we're moving to solution right away. And then it asks, were we thinking of ourselves most of the time or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? How many of you, as you fully enacted this, realized that as you started thinking selfishly, if you try and get it from the other person's perspective, the problem seemed to dissipate. If you're not there, then do more of it. Some of you guys did a lot of time. How, many, how long did it take you to figure out that it was going to be easier to help people get out and stay out and get them on the right track before they left rather than watch them come back and just play that silly game forever and mess up the house you were stuck in for however long? Come on, I, I read letters. I know. I go to clemency board hearings and I hear somewhere around the 10 year mark 
And you guys in there a long time start thinking, man, I got this is my life, then I need to start making it purposeful. Yes? I got people sitting in here that did 40 years, 30 years. They know. But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. How many of you are a perfectionist? And your thoughts get you just condemning yourself and you won't, won't share yourself with another because of it. See, it'll diminish your usefulness to others. I've got, I've got to be humble enough to let you know who I really am or you'll never know who I really am. And I'll always live in the delusion that you don't like the real me because I never showed you him. And it'll still be my fault. Does that make sense? After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Guys, I submit to you, you will never do that if you don't know this power is a tangible sensory experience. If that isn't real, you'll never do this. So you, you can forget the freedom that they're talking about because we're talking about the great reality within, not a theology. Does it make sense? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to be straight because people might be less than straight. If it is not real for you, it ain't real. Okay. So on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So what in the hell happened? I went to bed and I asked forgiveness. And now I'm awake again. What happened in the middle? How many of you got revelation in your dream state? I'm not talking about crazy stuff in your psyche. I'm talking about real revelation. Something you needed to do. Yeah? Okay, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Notice how they said we consider our plans for the day. Notice how they use intentional words. How many of you made your plan for the day and then the day didn't go the way you planned, and now it's a shitty day. <laughs> How many of you discovered that you didn't consider your plans prayerfully and order them in the order that the power in you directs? Because it matters. Again, we're talking about realities now. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Those of you new to the whole idea, that's a simple prayer, doesn't have any these and thous, doesn't sound like King James language, please direct my thinking, especially that it be divorced of self-pity, self-seeking, dishonest motives. That can happen anywhere throughout your day. The minute you walk into a place where you're finding yourself disturbed, you become aware, you can say that, you're not, and, and you'll start to grow in the reality. How many of you have found you walked into difficult situations and you took a minute to just go, oh, for, please just keep me from running my mouth off? And then you were able to act kinder than you felt like acting. Okay, so th then prayer worked. How many of you have found that you're more often than not able to act kinder than you feel like acting many times? That really does happen, doesn't it? Okay, so, so that is a power greater than you operating through you, right? Because you still think like, you know, anyone like me that thinks, like, fuck him, but how can I help you? I'm just trying to keep it real. It happens a lot to us, doesn't it? But that's not useful, is it? 
That makes me human, but it doesn't make me useful. And if I'm going to have to be human, then I have to be useful because I can't live a purposeless existence. Does that make sense? Okay, so then it says, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. So a long time in the fellowship, people would say, oh, don't think alone. Don't go into your head alone. You're never alone. There's no secrets. We want you to wake up first. If you go to all the old halls they'll have on the wall, think, think, think. We assumed you were waking up first. Because that's a tool now. Does it make sense? So I'm going to employ my mental faculties instead of my mental faculties employing me. Do you remember what we talked about? That little brain's just a tool. But if I think my identity is in my thoughts, then I'm the tool. In fact, I've had people say, Joe, you're a real tool. Have any of you guys? Because I can start acting in fear. Anyone else? Okay, so our thought life, now we're going to talk about how we as humans really live out our lives. We live it out in our thought life, right? Have you ever noticed how the same experience can be really wonderful or really shitty and it's the exact same experience and it had to do with how you thought about it at the time? So we want to live in that freedom more of the time, right? Okay, so our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Has that ever happened to anybody? <laughs> the beauty of this book is they tell you what they did or what they're doing. You notice how we've shifted tense. Before they were talking past tense, now they're talking present tense. Did you notice that? In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Can I own that? I don't know what to do. Yeah? Okay. So it says, we may not be able to determine which course to take. So now they've shown me what it looked like to them. To face indecision was to go, I've got more than one option. Come on, we're in a reentry center. How many of you have been overwhelmed with having more than one option? It can be, it can be completely, right? Stop you. Okay. So it's a, what they do is a, here we ask God for inspiration. God, inspire me, and then it comes to them as an intuitive thought or decision. How many of you all of a sudden had this thought come to you, and it was an unusual thought for you, and then pretty soon you thought, oh, I'm kind of a smart son of a guy. You wouldn't believe what I came up with. So what we come to realize is that if we seek it, it comes to us situationally. Does that make sense? And it will come to us as an intuitive thought or decision. And I want to point out to you, too, this discipline is on the fly. This isn't, you can have all kinds of meditation practices. There's nothing wrong with that. They can be relaxing. They can be therapeutic. But it's not AA. You can add it to your AA. But don't, this is on the fly as I go along. Does it make sense? So then it says we relax and take it easy. Why? How many of you have got the answer? Pretty sure you could improve on the answer. Or you rejected it out of hand. Any of you get an answer? Go, oh, no, 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 no. So I may need to just let stuff settle with me. Yes? We don't struggle. 
We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. No one's delivered instantly. You're, you're delivered instantly, I guess, but your, your, your actions will catch up, right? We act our way into better thinking. So, so I came to, in a homeless shelter, barely, barely a homeless shelter, and I was told about a piece in this book in the next step about you presently live in a new and wonderful world regardless of your present circumstances. And I lived in poverty for a long time after that, but from that instant, the birds sang. There was color in the world. I noticed things. I instantly lived in a different world than the one that I had been dying in. Does that make sense? And then the freedom has been progressive based on staying in the manner of living. So I encourage you, stay in the manner of living and serve, because it will happen for you. But depending on where you start, even though your deliverance is instantaneous, your experience of it may take a minute of walking out. Okay? All right, so what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. They're just telling you what I just finished telling you. And it says, being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So when they, they give you a clue, inspiration means in spiritus. It's going to come from within. More and more. As you grow in it, you'll become more aware of it. Yes? Okay, it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. So a lot of people don't get that until they start getting through to their amends steps and things like that. The fourth step allows me to see the part I played. The amends allows me to go out and try and make right some of the damage I've done. But a lot of times what I wanted removed from me, what I thought, thought were the obstacles in my path, were those encounters, those interactions. And they were, those were never the obstacles. The obstacles were within me. They were guilt, shame, remorse, hopelessness. And I had to go out and be empowered through that stuff so that those obstacles would come out of my way. And if I had had those obstacles, external obstacles removed, I wouldn't have gotten free. Does that make sense? And then I'm going to bear witness to those things, right? In my being, you'll see me. And then if you'll ask me, I'll honor my third step. His power, his love, his way of life. Okay. So... Um, we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. Hopefully my explanation helped you to easily see why. Because what I think out there is my obstacle is not my obstacle. Homelessness, lack of education, incarceration, divorce, joblessness, those are not my obstacles. Those are my preparations. Make sense? Okay. So if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. How would you know if circumstances warrant? They'll be there and you'll feel it, won't you? How many of you have just known you felt safe to start talking about what your experiences you were having? Didn't really know why. You hadn't talked about them before? 
If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. So you may not, if you have a lot of prejudice towards religious people, it would help to question your prejudice, is all they're saying. Go do your own reading. See if any of the experiences align. If it fits, fine. If it doesn't fit, that's fine too. Make sense? Be quick to see where religious people are right. Notice how they didn't say be quick to see that religious people are right. How many of you have been amongst the religious people and been amongst the recovery people and realized that we have very dissimilar languages talking about very similar experiences? Yeah, and we don't know how to talk to each other, but we're both seeking the same power. So we need to learn how to talk to each other, and the only way that's going to happen is for me to take the lead and question my prejudice. And whatever, whatever fellowship, I'm an outcast, I need to do better in my presentation, right? Because approach determines response. You guys that came from prison know that. Okay, so make use of what they offer. So some more instruction. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. How many of you have been agitated or doubtful? Did you pause? Not every time did it turn out better when you did. So now you're starting to see what that ongoing prayer, you know, removed from me. I'm going to, I'm a, the power to pause. Yes? Okay. And ask for the right thought or action. All that information is within you, but it's not of you. Does that make sense? Otherwise, I just paint my experience of a past thing into the present moment or my fear of losing some present thing or some future thing, and I'll, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss the... How many of you have discovered that agitation isn't always angry? Someone pointed out to me one time the agitator in your washing machine just gently stirs things out. How many of you have learned to pay attention to the gentle stirrings and realize there's opportunities to serve you or about to walk past? kind of cool, huh? Your life starts to get really purposeful when you start paying attention to what's going on within you, doesn't it? Okay. So we constantly remind ourselves that we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice how the parentheses, not mine, are now gone because I'm awakened. There's not God's will and my will. There's God's will and now it's my agitation, my fear, whatever, but I know now what the source is, right? If I don't know what to do, I'm going to ask. If I don't know what to be, I'm going to ask. Yes? Okay. And then it says, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. How many of you have found you don't get in as many messes as you've grown in the Spirit? It says we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we're no, no longer burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. You ever go in to convince somebody of your opinion and waste an entire day and went out one friend less? 
How many of you thought it was more important to win an argument than a friend? That, that, that shrinks our perspective, doesn't it? So it's the opposite direction where I want to grow. It's all, there's no rules now. You're, it's, all, it's all you. Do you. But if you want to be free of those thoughts, that's what you're talking about. So it says it works. It really does. Who said, who's telling us that? The first 100. And that's their experience with the first several thousand. And many of you in this room that are nodding and going, yep, happens to me every day because it's, it's fact. That's how we live. So it says we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. So what did they just outline? Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated, doubtful, pray, meditate, pray. Walk consciously in the world. Does it make sense? In this simple way we've just outlined, this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. We're out. Thanks.